<laughs> Hello, everyone. We're back. <laughs> Welcome to Law School and Brief. It's good to be here. I'm right Megan. beside the. Oh, I'm Lydia. Yeah. Right beside the start recording button on Skype, there's this throbbing heart symbol that begs you to pick an emoji. I almost just sent you like a weird Skype emoji instead of recording the podcast. So I'm Oops. really glad that I didn't do that. And here we are. <laughs> well, hopefully by the end of this conversation, we are either crying with laughter emoji or surprised face emoji or sarcastic face emoji or maybe all three. We'll yeah. see. I wonder if it makes a ding when I if I send you something. I'm going to send you a thumbs up. All right. It won't do it. Whoa, okay. yes, it will. I just got like a full screen thumbs up. That's terrifying. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Mm. Uh, other than uh, my emoji uh, validation of you, what are your highs this week? How have you been? Oh, my gosh. This has been a good week. I think in like if you're painting with very broad strokes, it's been a, gr- a good week. My high was uh, I had my very first coffee chat with a real life in the flesh, living, breathing attorney um, who I met doing the name change clinic a few weeks back. Uh, Her name is Sarah Saint. And if she's listening, shout out to Sarah Saint, because it, let me tell you, like anything that happens outside the classroom just reaffirms why I want to do this. It's when I get really bogged down in the schoolwork that Mm. I start to second guess myself. But talking to her it felt like just the gentlest nudge to remain focused and stay diligent and that this is not forever. Um, She kept it so real. We, we went to this tiny little cafe called Dulce Aroma and it's owned by, I think they're Italian, like this little old Italian couple and they're so kind. And Sarah is a regular there. So we got, regular treatment like we sat down at the table and we had our coffees and the little old woman came over and brought us these handmade like little lemon tart treats for free you know just because it was like (laughs) I was with Sarah I don't know it was lovely it was so great that really I tried to be a regular in Chapel Hill at the bagel place on campus I would always order the exact same bagel sandwich even sometimes when I didn't want it just because I wanted them to be like you want the usual and then they n- never um did that <laughs> all they had to do to satisfy you was say you want the usual well then they would have had to know what the usual was and actually like produce it anyways <laughs> I'm glad that you're <laughs> I don't know why I decided to share that I'm really glad that you're being treated like a regular and you're like getting the lemon tarts yeah what kind of law does she do like did y'all actually talk about Law stuff. Yeah, we it's a professional we did. networking. Megan, amazing. It was so. I will say, I asked her for this coffee meeting because I just generally liked her vibe. Like I, mm. when I, I mean, the fact that I met her doing pro bono name change clinic work, it was like okay, just yeah. by association and circumstance, I like you. Um, but then in ta- in chatting with her, I decided, well, I think I probably like you as a person. So, um, yeah, we did talk about law a little bit, but I was mostly just picking her brain on, like, how to find a little bit of direction. And I did end up asking her a very pointed question um, that you and I are going to be discussing later in the podcast. It's actually this week's topic. And she had a little bit of insight for me, but I'll save that nugget until we get there. Uh, But so she works in a law firm in Greensboro And she does primarily education law. So she has a master's degree in education. um, And she worked as a high school counselor and realized that wasn't really her jam and started doing some research and found that education law was a thing. Mm. And it just rang all of her bells. And so she ended up going to Wake Forest here in North Carolina. And I think she said she graduated three years ago and she's been at this firm ever since graduating and seems really happy, really, really happy in in the firm life. So, yeah. That's neat. But enough. I don't know much about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't claim to know much about it either, but we did talk a little bit about 
uh, her work and she was explaining that she works primarily with like the school districts. Um, and I mentioned that Adam teaches special ed at, at a high school here. And she said, oh, that's so interesting. You know, I, I, I deal a lot with special education. So I think awesome. our 30 minute meeting went by too quickly. And I hope that we can chat more later. Ugh, um, networking in brief. Networking in brief. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know that you have much better things to do than talk to me about feelings. <laughs> but I don't. So, so. <laughs> yeah. But I, so we had a quick 30 minute chat. But again, like she was so awesome. And she, I asked her uh, for like, essentially recommendations on where I should be looking for summer internships. And she gave me the names of four or five places and said she knew people in each one. And if I wanted, she could try to connect me to those people. Like, wow, you are wow. being so nice to me. and I have done nothing for you. So it was good. But enough about me. I want to hear about your Wait, Did you also see your low? Oh, we're starting with highs. Okay. Um, my high... I just thought of it because I only just read this case for class, but it's called Narstead v. Lakeside Village, Ooh. and the dissenting it's about it's about a um, condo association and someone they had a um, covenant that said no pets, no cats or dogs. You know, <gasps> I know. And a woman moved in. She had a cat, or I think, and she was like, "Look, he stays inside. He's clean." I'm really paraphrasing here because I just read it. <laughs> <laughs> he stays inside. He's clean. Yeah. Um, so she was kind of, she was bringing up the argument that this specific covenant wasn't reasonable and the courts will only enforce the ones that are reasonable. So that was the big question. And the majority opinion was, uh, yeah, it's reasonable because like some people don't like animals and like these people moved in with the expectation that there wouldn't be other pets there. You know, maybe mm -hmm. they're allergic, maybe they are scared, whatever. Mm -hmm. The dissenting opinion. I'm just going to read it part of it verbatim because <laughs> it starts out so great. And I'm going to add in ellipses here and you're just going to have to read the whole thing. Like listeners, if you are into it. Um, but <laughs> here it's, here it goes. There are two means. Oh, and this is by Armand Arabian. Uh, who is the only dissenter, he says, there are two means of refuge from the misery of life, music and cats. No. Yes. <laughs> what? But also, I hard agree. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> While technical merit may commend the majority's analysis, its application to the facts presented reflects a narrow view of the law that eschews the human spirit in favor of arbitrary efficiency. In my view, the resolution of this case well illustrates the conventional wisdom and fundamental truth of the Spanish proverb, it is better to be a mouse in a cat's mouth than a man in a lawyer's hands. Oh my. <laughs> Hold on. He goes on to talk about the merits of pets. Um, People of all ages, but particularly the elderly and the young, enjoy their companionship. Those who suffer from serious disease or injury and are confined to their home or bed experience a therapeutic, even spiritual benefit from their presence. And here's what I like the most. Animals provide... Com oh, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, animals... Oh, okay. Animals provide comfort at the death of a family member or dear friend. And for the lonely can offer a reason for living when life seems to have lost its meaning. Again, <laughs> totally agree. I just love that he's like pouring all of this into his dissenting opinion. Like, dude about is cats. serious about cats. Yeah. He's serious. I'm just reading this like, yes, yes. Um, he's like, pet ownership may not be a fundamental right as such, but unquestionably it is an integral aspect of our daily existence. Like, yes. Absolutely. And like, you know, all these guys have clerks, right? So I'm like, did he write it? Did a clerk write it? Did they write it together? Were they sitting around in their chambers, like talking about cats? Like, I want to know how it all went down. So that was just my high was just reading that. Yeah. His clerk is going, are you serious? And he looks at, back at him and says, are you serious? I can only imagine. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> 
So is he still alive? And can we invite him to guest speak on the podcast? Good questions. I'll look into that. <laughs> yeah, great. I well, have my, my low has something of a high in it. Okay. So I, that'll be a segue. Um, I took my first midterm, yes. which is exciting because it's ungraded. But my professor's still gonna like go through it and give us comments and like predict what our grade would be if everyone in the class had done it because it was optional. So mm-hmm. not everyone's gonna do it. He can't put it on a curve, whatever. So it didn't count, which is awesome. You could just like give it your best without like freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I was doing it, my whole body was tensing up. And, like, my, you know, my head was physically moving back and forth, like, looking between, like, my outline and my textbook and the computer. And anyways, right after I finished, like, maybe, like, five minutes after, I felt super nauseous. Yeah. It's maybe because I'd just been, like, holding all of this thing and I'm, like, all all of this inside of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, when will I learn that, like, stress physically manifests? Why do I keep having to learn this lesson over and over? But I felt nauseous for like hours. I I didn't, I was trying to like wait to go to bed until it passed. Um, And then I was like 2 a.m. and I was like, I guess I'll just go to sleep. Whoa. You know, this happened to me after my first LSAT too. So, I mean, my first like practice test. So I don't Mm -hmm. know what it is. Maybe it was just like a first time kind of thing, but I don't know. That is so interesting. Okay, so when I took my first LSAT practice test, I remember I had a physical reaction to it as well, but it wasn't so much the stress. It was the positioning that I was sitting in for so long. I came away from the test and had horrible neck pain, like horrible, horrible neck pain. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And it's almost like keep taking practice tests or something because it's yeah like you have to like physically condition yourself for sitting yeah. and like doing yeah. tiny little movements over and over that actually you saying that reminds me another uh high of my week maybe not the highest high but friday was our fall break and it lasts only one day but it was oh, one day oh. where there was no class and i went and got a massage yes um because I'm so tense all the time from the sitting position that I'm in. This like ever this like slight hunch forward, like my my shoulders are kind of up, my my head is down. You know, it's just not yeah. healthy. Oh. I, I went to the massage chair at school this week. You have not a the massage chair at school? My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, in the gym. Remember? Oh, okay. Massage I chairs thought- and chocolate milk. Oh, that's right. I just remembered the sauna. I was fixated on that. They also have a sauna. Mm. Um, I do. Nothing replaces a human massage, though. No, not at all. So happy for you. Yeah. I made a follow-up appointment with Bryce. Yes. Yeah, the massage parlor. Because I figured I should invest with all the money I don't have in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shoot. But, okay. Let me tell you about Milo really quick. And then we'll we'll launch into the topic. Um, and I have one low and one piece of information that I think will send many people spiraling into their own personal lows. <laughs> Not to put too much weight on that Jeez. statement. But, Here we go. <laughs> okay. So I'll start with Milo. Uh, we had a gas leak in our apartment on Monday. And I smelled the gas and Adam smelled the gas. And then I was like, man, I'm too tired to deal with this tonight. So what? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Woke up on Tuesday, uh, called Piedmont natural gas when I was on my way to my coffee meeting with Sarah Saint. Um, and they were like, wait, you smell gas. That's an emergency. So they came, and because no one was home, they had to shut the gas off from the outside of the apartment. Yeah. Um, and then they were like, call us immediately when you get home. So I, I, I went home right after the meeting, and I called them, and they said, okay, we have to come do an in-unit check. Uh, and I said, great, when will you be here? And they said, oh, we can't tell you that. We'll just call you 30 minutes before we arrive. So I ended up having to miss class. And I had to stay home and wait for these Piedmont natural gas people. But you when they got inside, here, inside, like there was still lingering gas, and you had to wait inside for them. I opened up all the windows. Oh, okay. I, you know, okay. I, I was, I was hanging. Oh. Um, 
But I will tell you, I did have a headache and I was nauseous. I was like not feeling great. Um, the dude showed up and he had this little meter that I likened to uh, like a metal detector that you see people maybe like walking along a beach with, uh, except it was a detector for gas. And so he came in and walked over to the oven and immediately the thing was like, beep, 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 beep. he pulled the oven back oh. and the attachment that that like secures from the oven to the whatever the valve for the the gas hookup was completely like corroded and we need a new stove so we do not have any gas in our apartment right now we have no means of cooking um, microwave we don't own a microwave nice. we yeah not trying to live that life so it's been <laughs> a lot of eating out which is both a blessing and a curse. It's like when you're <laughs> when your hands are tied, you know. I okay. I feel like I can eat out guilt free right now because really there are not too many other options, and I refuse to like eat fast food. Like You've I'm like got to get an instant pot, dude. Ah, uh, see, I wish you hadn't brought that up because we have Hi. one, and oh. I re- <laughs> and I realized uh, today when I was on my run that we could use the instant pot, but I'd already pretty much committed to eating Chinese tonight. So <laughs> here we are. I am contributorily negligent to this because I haven't even shared my instant pot food recipe calendar thing. So that's on, yeah. not yeah. on you. <laughs> okay. But enough about me and my gas Like, Do you want to hear the low that's going to send everybody spiraling into a pit of lows? Okay. Um, I think that you're, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think it'd be high for people who are listening who are are still in college. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're not in law school, you're welcome. I'm about to provide you with your high. For those of us who recently had to go through <laughs> the painstaking and very, um, yeah, painstaking. It's just, it, it's, <laughs> what else do you call it? For those of you who had to teach themselves how to do logic games and then take the L set with logic game sections. God forbid experimental logic game section, especially if you're bad at it. Um, Cause that's double logic. The L sack announced that they will be eliminating logic games from the test, from the L set in four years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is the law school admissions council just to give, just to fill that in and for LSAC, that's what that means. And the logic game section is kind of similar to Sudoku. I, I mean, we're, I mean, not really, but um, it's helpful to have that kind of analogy because the reason that they're getting rid of it is due to a um, disability claim from a student who is blind. And their argument is that you can't really do these kind of questions without diagramming or like you're at a severe disadvantage if you can't diagram like technically you could answer the questions without charting out the different possibilities for the answers but so it's kind of an interesting case but it's also nuts that this is the first time this is getting LSAC's attention because obviously um people who have visual impairments have been taking this test for a long time. Like, why yeah. Why have we ever had logic game? Like, why have we ever had this thing that has nothing to do with law <laughs> as part of the test? You know, it's weird. But you're saying it's a low because you feel like you had to do it. <laughs> I mean, you that was... Better without... <laughs> yes, that was yeah. the section of the yeah. test that I never was able to fail or able to finish. I in Freudian slip. I feel like I failed it like every time that I took it. It was so hard for me, and I just had to come up with a workaround to get through the test because under the time constraints, I would either do a yeah. poor job at all four questions, or I would do a halfway decent job and only finish three, and just know that I was going to have to guess on the fourth one every time. Um, so yeah. That sucks. But I, you know, say a lot. Yeah, because who knows how the score distribution would be different if we had a different kind of, yeah, I don't know. We should follow this. We should see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Um, which actually, may, uh, I'm going to ask you this question that I've been thinking about 
for the last few weeks. <laughs> I so do you think now that you've been in law school for like a month and a half that you would do better on the LSAT now than you did before you started law school? Because I think I would do better on the LSAT now. Oh, interesting. I feel like training for the LSAT is so specific to those types of questions that now that I'm further away from that really specific training that I I wouldn't be at at the peak of my game. Because I feel like what we're learning about isn't relevant at all. Well, no, but... Okay, so this question popped into my mind because when I was in class one day, we had all of these like but for questions and a lot of conditional Mm -hmm. rules and things like that. And I thought, oh, my God, when I was studying for the LSAT, I had no concept of what like thinking in law school was going to be like. And now I'm in law school and I can see what the LSAT was attempting to recreate in their questioning like can I reason my way through or out of this particular question with a bunch of conditional statements like it finally clicked for me I'm like oh okay like this is what they were testing us on I have a much more like dismal view of the LSAT which is that the only way to get good at it is to commit yourself to like just doing a lot of tedious work for a really long time. And then that skill is what's being valued in the legal profession. It's like, is your attention to, like, are you willing to hone your attention to detail no matter what? (laughs) That is significantly (laughs) more bleak than mine. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, they're trying to train us for school. (laughs) But it's probably both. (laughs) Yeah, maybe a touch of both. Yeah. Okay, let's Um, talk about success. Yeah, because I think that this is actually a good way to segue. Like, how is success measured? Well, obviously, we know how success is measured in, the, in terms of the LSAT. But once you get into law school, as, apart from just, like, grades, how is success being evaluated? Well, first, can I just make a little point about grades? Yes. Because I wonder if people will think, like, or will wonder why... Um, why we're not stopping at grades. Like grades are kind of an obvious metric of success. Mm-hmm. And A, grades will like open up professional doors. So it almost seems like a no-brainer. But um, what made me think about this, especially when I was taking the midterm, but also when I've been doing other assignments and just when I've been talking to my classmates who mm-hmm. either understand exactly what I understand or understand a lot more than I understand or understand it quicker or can reference old cases. Um, Not that I'm bogged down comparing myself to others, but just when I think of like my potential standing again with no feedback of knowing what my grade would be at this point is that I, I, I can't be like, there's no evidence that I would be getting an A with the effort I'm putting in now. I imagine I'm somewhere in the middle of the pack and I think it's kind of unrealistic to think that I'm doing a lot better than that and but I do think that I'm not you know gonna fail like that's kind of how that's kind of the feeling that I get Mm -hmm. um and there's certain things that I know if I put like there's certain things I know I'm not as efficient as I could be because I'm kind of learning how to learn and there's probably actions I can take to become more efficient I could hire a tutor um and just like get myself from being in the middle to being better than in the middle just because I like start prioritizing that Uh so I think that could be worth my time um but to go from that to getting A's in every class um because of the way we're graded just on this one exam instead of like on projects that I can continue working on and getting better at Mm -hmm. I would be facing serious diminishing marginal returns like as we got as we progress like I would be sacrificing just because of the pace of how I work and my brain. Like Mm -hmm. I would be sacrificing feelings of joy and autonomy because I would have to structure my life like all around this. Yeah. Um, And I would have to take out more loans to pay for like different kinds of tutors and like really like, so like getting from where I am now to getting a little bit better makes total sense to me. Getting from there to A's 
I really wonder if it's worth it. And like you could say, like you come all this way, law school. It's like this is your fresh start to do your best, and you've already taken out loans. Why not take out more? Put, get like do it. Then you can make a bigger impact in the world. You know, arguably, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And all the professors and like advisors and people in jobs are telling you grades matter. Period. But then there's other practicing attorneys and like upper level students who say that you know life goes on if you don't get A's and like the bar is the determining factor and um it's I do feel like I'm getting conflicting information and I am not convinced that it's obvious that I should be sacrificing everything to get A's like at the end of these three years when I look back if I have all A's but I've done nothing else with my life I don't think that that's how I will be defining success. And I don't think that I can get all A's if I don't give up everything else. So that's kind of why I am struggling with like defining success in other ways. Do you have a similar feeling? Are you feeling like, like I feel confident that you're going to do really well, but are you feeling like grade wise that same struggle as me? Or are you like pretty sure that you're going for the grades? God, that is such a good question. Because I am by nature very competitive. And so like last week when I got a five on a paper that in the grand scheme of things is like worth pennies. (laughs) And then I like wept. (laughs) I think that that's a pretty good indicator of my, my, my resting ambition. Just like how I am when I'm alone, not thinking about other things. Um, but there, to your point, it's, I I find myself asking at what cost and if the bar is this great equalizer, which I think it's sort of supposed to be, then why would I kill myself getting all A's? Um, I guess, yeah, it, it just sort of like, so Hold on one second. Harper, my cat, is this is this is the unedited version of this podcast. She is clawing at the door. Okay. <laughs> yes. I locked her out because usually she tries to jump up into my lap when I'm recording. Ugh, she's cats annoyingly and music, cute. Yeah, cats and music. Um but okay, so like let me like let me apply this logic out a little bit to a real life scenario that happened to me this week. Okay. Um, so on Monday, I had an appointment with our director of career services. Uh, everyone else at Elon goes through this. Um, we are essentially sitting down and having our resume reviewed and edited. And once you do that, you get access to the job boards. So they just want to make sure that, yeah, it's really great. I mean, this is one, this is one way that I think Elon is really, really a good fit for me. They are all about applying things. So they're not just saying you should do this. They're giving you the tools and they're actually really holding your hand through the first couple tries at things. Like for example, they're not just going to say, here's the job board. They're going to look at my resume in real life, like sitting down with me, showing me what to do, giving me access to these boards and then pointing me in the right direction, which is great. Nice. Yeah. In the past, I feel like I would have thought that that was paternalizing. And now I'm like, look, I'm paying you to hold my hand. So like, you will help me with this. Thank you. (laughs) I I have such a similar feeling. Yeah. Like in my undergrad, I feel like I would have been... So like I re- I distinctly remember being ten years old and going to a Denny's with my dad and the waitress handed me a kids menu and I was beside myself <laughs> offended. I'm like, look at me, woman, gaze upon my nearly teenage body. I am not a child. Like you know, just oh so God. angry. And in undergrad, I felt sort of the same way. It was like, can't you tell I'm 22? I've made it this far. I don't need your help. But now, I, yeah. if I could live in the career services office and like have them just, if I could like lay myself at their feet and just um, have them bequeath upon me all of their knowledge and skill, I would absolutely do that because I'm paying good money. But anyway, 
I digress. I had this meeting with the director of career services and in the summer session that we took, she made many great presentations about professionalism and how to network. And so I took this opportunity to kind of let her know as a sidebar that I had this coffee chat with Sarah Saint coming up the next day. And she said, oh, is that one of the attorneys from the law firm that hosted the pro bono clinic? And I said, yeah. And she said, very gently, like this was not at all offensive to me. I want to make that clear. But she gave me a very gentle heads up that this particular firm apparently does not hire Elon graduates. And I was like, why? That just seems silly to me, especially because the firm is literally one block away from the law school. It seems like they would they could just cherry pick like the best students and they would be they would like yeah. be in a great spot. And um she essentially like the gist of what she said was they only hire from schools of a certain caliber. Um, and I could tell that that was not something that she subscribed to and obviously not something that I'm okay with, but I did appreciate the heads up because can you imagine how uncomfortable that coffee meeting could have been if I had been sniffing around for summer work, but Anyway, I, on my walk home after that meeting, I was thinking about success and what success looks like for me in law school like, generally. And I have to say, like, I wasn't, I'm, I'm grateful that she gave me that info. And I'm also really grateful that having, or I'm grateful that I, that I didn't have the ambition to like maybe work there in the summer because that would have been very disappointing news. Um, but well, even maybe you'll I... be the first one, Megan, <laughs> you'll have this connection now. Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. I could be the first one perhaps. Um, but it got, so like it got my, my wheels turning and I started thinking about all these different hypothetical scenarios. Right. And this is when I started to get kind of angry because I'm thinking to myself, okay, what if I graduate from Elon Law as the valedictorian, right? I put in the time, I made all the personal sacrifices, I took out the extra loans and hired the tutors, right? This firm still would not hire me because uh, yeah. the, the school I went to, that is so ridiculous to me. It's like I took and passed the exact same bar exam as the other associates at this firm, right? They yeah. would still prefer to hire somebody who went to a fancy name brand school. As if to say, my accolades were less meaningful because of where I went to school. And then I got even further into this angry spiral <laughs> because I built this hypothetical out more and I thought, all right, like, let's think about, okay, uh, one hypothetical would be, let's say I went to Elon because they gave me a full ride scholarship but I also got into like all the other law schools I applied to in the area, like Wake or Chapel Hill or Duke. Um, but I would have to pay full tuition in all of those places. And let's say I made this choice just purely on financial reasons, graduating law school with zero debt. Who wouldn't want to do that? Or maybe I went to Elon because my partner works in Greensboro and that's like where we live and I didn't want to commute. So anyway, I... Success sometimes does feel like it's going to be an uphill battle for me because I don't go to a fancy name brand law school. But I refuse to let that frame of mind and that way of thinking become like, like taint my experience. Because when you break it down, like I'm here for the love of learning and to learn the law, right? And I'm doing that. It's not all about the tests. It's about learning the process. And, and I think that that is going to be how I measure my success in law school. It's not like to an extent, it is going to be based on grades. Like if I'm getting bad grades, I'm going to really need to have to reevaluate the things yeah. that I'm doing or the way that I'm studying. But so far, I am not getting bad grades. And I think that all signs are indicating that I'm doing all that I can do. Like I go to bed every night thinking you did the best you could do today. Nice. And I think that's, that's the best you can do. <laughs> like it's 
It's like, you know, like what more can you do? I don't know. Anyway, and yeah, right. the the industry does seem like pretty elitist to the core. Um, and it, I, I wonder if people are tempted to buy into that. Uh, who might be listening to this podcast? And please don't. <laughs> I, I was working in a firm before I started law school, and I interacted with like dozens of attorneys every day because I was the receptionist. It's a sweet job. If you're listening to this and you might want to go to law school, just like be a receptionist at a law firm. It's really fun. Hmm. Um, but I was, I was like transferring calls to these attorneys. I was like asking them, um, for like last minute, like emergency aid with people like stuck on the border and that kind of thing. And, um, just had a, like such a high uh, opinion of the people that I worked with. And only when I was applying to law school did I like learn where people went to school and it was like all over the rankings, like, like range Mm -hmm. all over the range, including unranked schools. Um, and I was like, well, I just had no idea. Like it just, there wasn't a correlation for me in my firm. And it's like, because there shouldn't be, because people are making decisions about what rank of law school you're going to because of like a lot of the factors that you were saying. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think we should all like just not buy into the elitism <laughs> thing. Period. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I agree. I think people like to summarize my argument, people make the decision about where to law- go to law school for a variety of reasons. So to just boil it down to you're going to go to the best school you can get into and assume that everybody's doing the same is just, it's ignorant. And it's, it's, it's not, I don't like, if you really truly want to have like a diverse group of people working for you who represent all types of thinking and logic and backgrounds and lived experiences, you cannot abide by this model. Um, and it's dis- it's disappointing to, I guess for the first time, even though I didn't directly encounter it, I encountered it through like the grapevine. It's disappointing to, to know that there are places out there that seemed accessible once. Like I was never trying, I'm, I'm never going to be trying to work at some like big law firm that only hires from Ivy Leagues. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, dang, this is just a law firm in downtown Greensboro, right around the corner from my law school and the door is closed mm. because like we aren't in the top 50. I don't know. It's just, it, it's such a bummer yeah. because it completely disregards like I'm going to just make this about me, like my work ethic or my content of character. Oh, yeah. 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 I also went to career services this week and I really like the people at WashU. I just dropped in because my friend was like, oh yeah, I have an appointment at career services. And I was like, that's really smart. I'm going to come with you and like beg someone to talk to me because I mm. didn't have the forethought to make an appointment. Um, anyways, uh, this woman was helping me out in so many ways. And I started taking, I started thinking about taking notes and she was like, Oh, I'm taking notes on our meeting and I'll email you with what we talked about and some like leads for you. How crazy is that? Wow. Yeah. She's doing some research for me probably as we speak, probably, hopefully not at 7 47 PM. But, um, yeah, she was like, uh, there's a lot of things relevant to this um, mission that I feel like I have, which I shared in early episodes about a forced migration due to climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went to a panel this week on nonprofit immigration lawyering. And I was telling her, like, I think I understand, like, immigration job search. Um, can you help me explore, like, internal displacement? Like, there's not really internal displacement law like there's immigration Mm law um and she's coming up with ideas like um fema or like city planning firms or like clerkships in alaska uh there's apparently a judge there who like went to watch you how crazy would that be that Um, would be so cool did you know alaska doesn't have any law schools is that for real yeah i mean i haven't looked in the last two years but when i was thinking about going to law school I was like, okay, where can I go to law school in Alaska? And 
<laughs> apparently, I actually just Googled it. As of 2018, Alaska is the only state without a law school. Yeah. Whoa. Real life. So, okay, so that you should totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, like, just talking with her and, like, especially since she's kind of, like, on the case and, like, I have my little action items, like, you know, getting my resume together, kind of like what you were just talking about. Um, this, I guess this is like a fine time to start doing that, but I feel like the success post law school is kind of, I think I feel this way for you too. Like it's a given, like we're going to find things that fulfill us. Like there's going to be opportunities. Mm. Um, and for me, it's just like the three years that we're in school, that I'm like, I can't just be focusing on gr- the grades that lead to this post-law school life. Like, three years is too long to not have some other kind of, like, fulfillment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you... So, one thing that Sarah, um, the attorney I talked to on Tuesday said to me was that we need to be, or rather as a law student right now, it's my job to be very um, like single-minded and sort of like selfish with my time. Um, Because after this, it's like going to be all about other people, hopefully for Mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Um, So like you have one job right now and it's to learn and get really good at single tasking um just Single focusing tasking. yeah nice. that was like her big nice. thing when I what so when I asked her what success looks like in law school she said well for me it was learning how to single task and how to just be really really like diligent about doing exactly what's in front of you because if you can master that everything else will fall into place and I thought that was a great piece of advice just throwing out the idea that multitasking is the way to go because if you're multitasking by, well, according to her, you're basically just doing a bunch of things mediocrely, or you can (laughs) focus on one thing and do it really well. Um, And so if you kind of think about that on like a macro level, it's like these three years are the micro task of our life (laughs) or the micro, the single tasking of our life. And then after this, the diligence that we bring to our studying and our preparing is going to do us so much good when we graduate. And I agree. The way I would synthesize her advice with my feelings, Mm -hmm. um, because I, they almost sound like exclusive, but I don't think that they are. Um, It sounds like, you know, what she's saying on the face of it is like, focus on your grades and, like single task and like just learn the material and do well. And I think I agree with her that when you're doing schoolwork, you should single task it. But I'm, you know, my thought process about grades and sacrifice is that like when you're doing schoolwork, you can single task, but I think you should compartmentalize and like also look at other things. Um, in like your keep life, your eyes and you ears open. Task. Yeah. Like, like I can't, I just can't imagine going three years and not doing any activism, but I don't think I should be trying to do activism while I'm studying, you know? Um, well, I think, I think her point was if you can become proficient at single tasking, you will be able to fit everything that you want into your life and your life oh, okay. will be fulfilling. Like when you're studying, study, when you're yeah. not studying, do not study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's the boiled down version, I think. Nice. Yeah. I had um I was kind of trying to figure out my after I got past the grades thing. Um and after I talked to career services, then I was left with like how do I view success during these three years? Um you know, I, I went to that panel on immigration lawyering. I had an informational interview over the phone. Went to office hours for the first time in my life, I think, if Whoa, I'm remembering. really? <laughs> I know. Um, I went to a panel on clerkships. I went to a volunteer training for this campaign in St. Louis called Close the Workhouse that I'll have to talk more about once I'm actually volunteering. But 
I just kind of like spent the whole week just knowing that we would have this episode, kind of, just like putting all these feelers out. Same. Because, nice, nice. <laughs> um, and so in this inter- informational interview and in this office hours, um, I was trying to bring up, not very successfully, but um, this whole like keeping sight of your mission when you're in law school, like, you know, we talked about this very recently, you know, we can't lose sight of why you came, but just deciding to not lose sight of why you came is not the bulk of the work of an, of not losing sight <laughs> of what, <laughs> why you came. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of asking this professor, like, how do I do that? What's the process or how can I process what I'm learning in these fundamental classes through my own like mission and what kinds of questions can I ask myself as I read for class so that I'm thinking more deeply like there are things I, I don't have a practice of doing this of like really digesting <clears throat> information like this but I've noticed really easy things that have popped up in class like in contracts we've talked about duress and in torts we've talked about negligence and in property mm-hmm. we've talked about collective property rights and these things are like oh yeah all of that stuff is got to be relevant to like climate change um but how do i capture these things that i notice and how do i get more out of what i'm reading that doesn't jump out as obvious and i'm thinking like these are great questions and i can't wait for the answers and the professors were like this is not the point of 1l you need to like learn the basics these are building blocks they're building Mm. blocks but they might not even be relevant to what you're interested in like you're going to be taking more specialized classes later like Stop. I'm not sure I'm convinced about that. I, I know I'm being impatient, but um, I think that there's such a value in noticing things when the material is new to you and, and you're fresh. And anyways, it reminded me, were you the one I was talking with who was told like lawyers need to be creative? And yes. you're like, that's the opposite of what you've told. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like that. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to bring a creative mindset to what I'm learning. And people are like, just don't. They're like, learn the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I have not answered this question. Like I I wanted to have an answer for this episode, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm just going to like kind of give you a cop out answer and say like, it depends, (laughs) (laughs) which seems to be the blanket answer for any and all things in law school. It depends. Um, And I think it is completely individual. And it is what you make it. So wow, that think- is so deep, Megan. Like- <laughs> oh yes, welcome to my TED talk. No, this is. Like- I'm just gonna experiment more, and I'll have to report later. Yeah. Well, the good news is, you whatever standard you create for success, you are responsible for holding yourself to it. Nobody else is, and you're not being graded yeah. on it. Yeah. So just set a reasonable expectation, and. I don't know, maybe write it on your fridge along with <laughs> the name Greta. <laughs> yeah, uh, keep you yes. honest. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I'm I'm concluding my thoughts with this answer, this non-answer of actually I don't know what success is, but it's not probably not getting all A's. We'll see. Like when I get these first grades back, my first ever grades, if I'm doing well, I'm probably going to just like, put like if I'm getting like B plus like I'm gonna like freaking go for it because it's in sight you know but if I'm middle of the pack I kind of feel like my analysis earlier stands so what was your like how are you ending after thinking about this all week at this point I've already forgotten so for me I think after thinking about this all week I can boil it down to the word diligent I Mm -hmm. want to spend my time in law school working on becoming as diligent as possible with, with the process. It is, it's like kind of hard to get started being a student again. And I feel like I'm a much better student now than I was in undergrad. And I didn't think I was a bad student then at all, Yeah, but I, I understand the value of a dollar more now that's for damn sure. (laughs) And, and, And I really, really know well, actually, that's what I was going to say. I, I know that this is what I want to be doing. Um, specific direction is a little murkier. But I think right now, my I will measure success by how diligent I can train myself to be. 
I want to not cut a single corner because wow. when I get when I get tired, you know, I might come across some Latin in a reading and I'm like, I'm not going to pull out Black's Law Dictionary right now. I'm just going to keep going because I need to figure out the holding. No, like I, I want to be Wait, like a well-trained machine. Still done all the reading? Yes. Well, actually, no. What? So let okay. me tell you, let me tell you what happened. Okay. And this will, this will be my final thought. Okay. Um, so today in torts, uh, as you know, I had to miss class yesterday because of a gas leak, yep. um, which is like a very legitimate excuse. <laughs> um, I get to class today and our professor uh, calls on somebody. He says like, oh, Miss Parker, totally made up name. Miss Parker, tell us about the blah, blah, blah case. And I could have died. I was like, I don't recognize that case name. And then I had this very like brief panic attack thinking, oh no, did I totally mess up the reading? Did I get the reading wrong for today? Like, and if I did, I, I could be called on. Cause at this point Oof. he's probably called on two thirds of the class cold called. And I have not been cold called in this class yet. So I'm like, I know my day, like my days are numbered. And I thought to myself, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, today's going to be the day. Today's going to be the day. And then I realized there was just one case that I did not read. And it was a complete accident on my part. And I got everything else after that. But even when this other person in class was talking about the case, I was like, oh man, if for some reason he volleys this over to me, like my ass is going to be hanging out. I'm not going to look like, of course, it's the one case I don't read. But luckily that didn't happen. Thank you. God, I felt physically ill though. Like I, like oh, I started yeah. to really sweat. Yeah, I sweat. Oh. I, I still sweat. I sweat. I was on panel for contracts today, and I was sweating. It was Whoa. Um, okay, cool. Well, this. Wow, I'm inspired by you. I want to meet Sarah Saint. That name is incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you visit me in Greensboro, fully yeah. by that point, Sarah Saint and I are friends. And she apparently likes board games. I like board games. Who knows? You like friendship. We'll see. Yeah, Yahtzee. <laughs> when I whoop her in Yahtzee, she might not like me as much. <laughs> A game uh, of chance? Methinks not. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, farewell to all and to all Harper. Right. Farewell. <laughs> all right, friends. It's been fun. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.